I'd like to say thank you, Natalie. Reminds me of the verse, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll still be there. I feel like I've already been ministered to wonderfully this morning. Well, good morning. It seems like it's been a long time that Kathleen and I have been with you. And I don't exaggerate when I say uh, we really miss you. And uh, Lord bless you for having us back again. Of course, you know I've had a second knee operation. And this has qualified me to be a part of the metallic age. (laughs) You know, this is the stage where a person has silver in his hair and gold in his teeth, titanium in his knees, and lead in his feet. Well, anyway, it's uh, good to be here. Uh, For this Sunday and next, I would like to look at some of the broad themes from the Gospel of John as they relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've given this morning's message the title, The Mission of Jesus. Quite a number of years now, I and another fellow were sent back to school to try to understand how, among other things, to write a mission statement. And as many of you may be aware, most Christian organizations now have a mission statement that describes the purpose and the reason for the existence of that organization. So Focus on the Family has a mission statement. The Navigators have a mission statement. World Vision, Campus Crusade, InterVarsity, and many, many other organizations as well as churches throughout, throughout the United States have a mission statement. At this school that I attended for five days, it was stressed over and over again that a good mission statement was the single most important strategy of an organization. The statement should be clear, it should be concise. It should be easily understood. It should have broad appeal. It should tell us why the organization exists. What does it do? What is its basic philosophy? And this morning I would like for us to think of the mission of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? What was his purpose in coming here to earth? And also the question I would like to respond to is this. Are there or is there in the New Testament any clear, concise, easily understood statement that sets forth the mission of Jesus? A statement that responds to the question, why did he come? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16 and verse 28. John chapter 16 and verse 28. Jesus says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. Remarkable statement. This verse has been called by the great theologian Albrecht Bengel the greatest recapitulation of the career of Jesus among men. 
And H.W. Meyer said of this verse, it is a simple and grand summary of his entire life. Jesus, in this verse, during the last few hours he spent with his disciples, before the cross, gives us four stages to remember his mission. Now, I want you to look at this verse. Look at stage one. He came from the Father. This gives us some ideas of the origins of Jesus. He came from the Father. It says something of relationship. It doesn't say He came from God. He came from the Father. A relational statement. It says something about His eternity. It tells us He is God. Statement or stage two. He entered into the world. He came into the world. He entered into a world of people. He entered into an extremely needy world. He entered the world at Bethlehem. And this verse simply reminds us of the Incarnation. And this relates to the why He came. And I'll be trying to answer the question in a little while. Why did He enter the world? Stage number three. He would leave this world. And this relates to the fact that, he, that His mission was accomplished. Done. That's why He goes back. Now please get this. Just before Jesus leaves this world... He gave His followers a commission and mission that would be just like His. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, it says, As the Father has sent Me, so send I you. Just like the Father sent Jesus, He has commissioned us. Wow. And lastly, there is stage four. He would return to the Father. And in this stage, we, of course, ask the question, what is Jesus doing today in the Father's presence? Is He in heaven, sitting on a throne, with His arms folded, looking down at you and me, nodding His head every now and then when we do something good and shaking His head when we do something wrong? Is that what He's doing today? Well, each of the four stages are defined, explained, and illuminated in the Word of God, the Bible. And they merit a great deal of attention on our part. This morning, I want us to look at stage two. He came into the world. His mission, his work, was to be centered on this planet, planet Earth. What does Jesus say about His mission when He came to this earth of ours? Why did He enter the world? And I'd like to respond to this by using three statements given by Jesus Himself. And you may turn to these if you wish. Statement number one. 
Luke's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 10. This verse says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And I call this Jesus' great search and rescue mission. This is why He entered the world. Statement number two. John chapter 10 and verse 10. And this says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus says, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' mission is to fill empty and broken lives and to bring to that life fulfillment to the full. That's why he entered the world. And statement number three, John 17 and verse 25. There Jesus prays to the Father and he says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Why? In order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is one of the most intimate passages that I know of in the entire Bible. Jesus is praying to his Father and asks that the love he has for the Lord Jesus to be in us, in you. Can you see that in that passage? Now, if the same love of God is in me and is also in you, it means also that you and I will love one another. This is why Jesus came into the world. Now, I'd like to think a little bit more deeply about these three statements. And I'd like to go over all three again. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. In the earlier meeting, we were reminded by Bill Murray about the rescue of a little child that had fallen into a well in Texas. And the news lately seems to have been filled with search and rescue missions. There was the search for Dana Curry and Heather Mercer, captured by the Taliban in Afghanistan. And the prayers of God's people throughout the world went up. And by His great mercy, these two young ladies were rescued. And we praise God. Then there was the search for the Burnhams and Mrs. Yap in the Philippines who had been captured by the Abu Sayyaf terrorists. Again, the prayers of the Lord's people went up all over the world. And as we all know, Gracia Burnham was rescued and her husband and Mrs. Yap were killed. When I was about 10 years old, living then in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, we used to put up our Christmas 
tree on Christmas Eve day. And so on Christmas Eve day, three, two other friends and I went out into the woods. We lived fairly close to a, a large section of woods in order to find the Christmas tree. We walked mile after mile, looking at trees, discarding this, discarding that, and we came finally across what we thought was the perfect Christmas tree. It was a beautiful balsam tree. We cut it down and started to walk in the direction we thought was home. It was beginning to be late afternoon, and it started to snow. And then a wind came up and started to blow the snow, so we had all we could see was this white uh, something. It was starting to get cold. And the temperature was very low now. And we didn't know for sure what direction home was. And we were lost. We tried huddling underneath a tree whose branches came down almost to the ground. But we had to keep moving. It was so cold. And we were getting scared. And we were feeling a bit desperate. We didn't know what to do. Back home, three sets of parents began to search for us. And to make a long story short, they found us early the next morning. You know, it's wonderful to be found. It's just great to be found. When you're lost, you want more than anything to be found. And we were found. And I'll tell you, we were so glad. So glad. When Jesus entered our world, Luke 19, verse 10, suggests to us that He saw the lostness of people. And the four Gospels tell us of people from all walks of life that were lost and found by Jesus. There were fishermen and tax collectors and soldiers and revolutionaries. There were religious people. There were heathen people. There were adulterers. There were thieves. There were extortioners. There were sick people. There were poor people. And you know, praise God, there were all kinds of ordinary people. Ray Steadman used to call them vanilla kind of people. You know, they're just just common people just like you and I. And Jesus found them, and they followed him. And I'd like to tell you about one of those people. This person was a decidedly inferior person, in an inferior position, a very lonely person, something like the Dalits or the untouchables in India. This person was part of a group of people, the Samaritans, and they were despised by the Jews so much that they avoided going through their territory. This person was a woman who lived in a man's world. And even Jesus' disciples were surprised to find him talking to such a person, a woman. We don't even know her name. This woman had a history of broken relationships. 
she had had five husbands and the man she was living with was not her husband. She had never married. And this made her socially unacceptable even among her own people. This woman was rejected by the people of her town. And we know this because she came to get water from the well at high noon. Something that only an outcast would do. Nice ladies didn't come to the well at noon. How would you describe this lady? One way would be to say that she was experiencing a terrible lostness. She was lost in a world of people. Surrounded her, but she was alone. She was lost. And I asked myself, is there a sequel to the story? And I praise God there's a sequel to this story. In John chapter 4 and verse 39 it says, Many of the Samaritans of the town believed in him because of the word of this woman. They believed in him because of the word of this woman. Jesus' search and rescue mission takes him to so many people and you can just read the Gospel of John and see them just jump out at you. In chapter 3, Jesus searches for one of the great religious leaders of the Jews of that day and finds him. Then there's this woman that we just talked about in chapter 4. There was a man who had been sick for 38 years in chapter 5. There are 5,000 hungry people in chapter 6. There's a woman caught in adultery in chapter 8. There's a young man born blind in chapter 9, etc., etc. You see them all through the book. It's for people like these that Jesus came. They were lost, and Jesus found them. It's great to be found. Now look at statement number 2 in John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. The mission of Jesus is to reverse or change the condition of people and to rescue them from the thief. The thief diminishes a person because all he does is to take away To be killed and destroyed is to suffer the ultimate loss. And Jesus came to change that. Instead of taking away, Jesus brings life. Instead of diminishing life, making it less, Jesus enriches life with an overflowing measure, a surplus. The Christian life is not intended to be a mere existence. Rather, it's intended to be joyous, full of joy.
And I'd like to tell you about some people in the Bible who discovered the plus that Jesus brings. You all know the story. It was Jesus' first recorded miracle. And the setting was a wedding. The beginning of a new life for two people. But you know, horrors of horrors, the punch bowl was empty of wine. And wine is a symbol of joy. And what do you do when the joy is gone? What do you do? Remember that Jesus came in order to bring life fullness and completeness. And He not only filled the punch bowl, but the quality of His provision was superior. Far better than what they had than what had been provided previously. Far better. He comes to bring life to the full, not just to replace something. He does far more than that. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And if you would ask the bridegroom, the bride, the friends of the bridegroom and bride, they would have said, boy, he sure filled this up. He filled that punch bowl up. This statement of Jesus that I read to you from John 10.10 is in the context of a beautiful story that calls Jesus the Good Shepherd. And the word good in Greek, word callous, means the means competent or excellent. Jesus is the shepherd who does not lose his sheep and who is able or competent to make full provision. You know, that's why he came into the world. That's why he came. Statement number three. John 17 and verse 26. Before I read that, I'd like to say, uh, in my Bible, whenever I come across a verse that really transcends my belief system, I put a three-letter word there. And it's wow. That's a wow verse. Uh, verse uh, 26. Chapter 17. Wow. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that or so that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The mission of Jesus is to make the Father known. To take away the mystery. To make the Father known. Jesus came to remove any misunderstanding about the Father. How did Jesus do this? Remember that Jesus said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And He removes the mystery 
this way. To see Jesus in Scripture is to see a demonstration of the character and nature and passion of God. To know that God is love is made clearer when we see Jesus loving people as when he confronted the accusers of the woman taken in adultery. You know, he loved that woman. And he changed her life. He loved her. And I understand that God is love when I see Jesus loving that woman. That's how the Father is being made known to me and to you. To know that God forgives is made clearer when we hear Jesus on the cross say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's saying, forgive those people who drove in the nails. He's saying, forgive those people who put that crown of thorns on my head. He's saying, forgive those people who chose Barabbas rather than me. Forgive them. That's how God is. And we learn how God is like when we see Jesus. But here's the amazing thing about that verse. Why does Jesus want us to know the Father? Look at that text. In order that, or so that, the love He has for Jesus may be in us and that Jesus Himself might be in us. Wow. That's why it's a wow. The mission of Jesus is to make the Father known in order that you and I might undergo that kind of change where we will experience the same love of God that Jesus experienced. And how much did the Father love the Son? <laughs> so vast and so infinite, I couldn't begin to say. I know He loved Him perfectly. Totally. And this passage tells us that every Christian is loved by the Father that way. You understand how much He loves you? Wow. I find this passage to be one of those tremendous passages in the Bible, and it's certainly worthy of being underlined. The mission of Jesus, what is it? And I'd like to personalize it this morning. Jesus came to seek and to save me and you from our lost condition. Jesus came to give me life, to give you life. And that life to the very full. Jesus came to make the Father known to me and to you in order that we might experience internally His great love, the great love that He had for Jesus. 
So what do we say to all of this? Uh, what's our response? How are we to respond to this? Well, I'd like to give you four examples of a response by some wonderful people in the scriptures. When Jesus found Nathaniel, Nathaniel believed and followed Jesus, became a disciple. When Jesus found the woman at the well, she believed and then she promptly told others about Jesus. She became a witness. When Jesus found the lonely man who had been born blind, the blind man believed, and then you know what he did? He fell down and worshipped Jesus. When Jesus found the little tax collector Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus believed and changed the way he was dealing with people. So one person became a follower, another became a witness to Jesus, another became a worshiper of Jesus, another person's behavior was totally changed, his behavior towards others. That's what happens when Jesus finds people. That's what happens. That's the mission of Jesus. That's why he came into the world. I'd like to ask some questions as we close. Have you experienced being found by Jesus? Have you? Personally, ask yourself. Have you experienced being found by Him? Because to experience that is to experience one of the most wonderful, wonderful experiences of life. I don't think there's anything greater and to be lost and then found. And if you have been found by Him, how have you responded? How are you responding today? I give you four examples. There are more. But how are you responding today? Are you a follower? Are we telling others about Jesus? Are you a worshiper? How do you treat other people? Jesus came in order to make a difference in your life. And we all can respond when Jesus says, Come, come, come. Come to me and I won't turn you away. So come. And I wonder if there's someone here this morning that would like to come to Jesus. Because the call of Jesus goes out to every person to come to Him. Whether it's in a church service, whether it's in a factory, whether it's in office, whether it's in the school, the voice of Jesus calls, come, 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 and I'll embrace you. And you'll be found
I wonder if there's someone here who would come this morning. Let's just bow our heads and, uh, and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Our Father, we thank you for your having come into the world. For having been coming into the world and loving us. Loving us when we were so unlovable. Loving us when we were still enemies of yours. Nevertheless, you loved us and gave yourself for us. In order that we might be found. Yes, found and cleansed. Thank you, Father, for your having been made known to us. And, Father, we pray for this group of people here today, and we just give you thanks. That so many here, most here, have been found by you. And they are following you and worshiping you. And Father, we just uh, want to reaffirm this morning our commitment to you and give you thanks. And if there is someone here who has not yet been found, we pray that that person will heed the call to come this morning. Thank you, Father, for your being present with us in our midst today. And we thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.